The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bible and turn to the New Testament book of John, John chapter number 14. Praise the Lord for how we planned every last bit of that last song to come off just like that. Amen? Believe that. I got a bridge I want to sell you. But man, that sounded good. Y'all can sing. John chapter number 14. I'm just telling you, uh, y'all might might have to hold on because uh, I really enjoy the singing today. And I, I was starting to get a little bit, uh, a little bit of revival in me down here. Started to hoop and holler a little bit. I'm already in fifth gear. I hadn't even hit the introduction. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know if you have uh, too much turkey in you from Christmas Day, or if you're uh, just kind of you know, getting over a little bit of that, or, and maybe you slept in a little bit this morning. But I hope that you came to worship. Uh, wonderful singing together as we break the bread of the Word of God. May He be blessed by the reading of His Scripture and the proclamation. Of his gospel. John chapter number 14. Go ahead and stand with me if you would for the reading of the Word of God. John chapter number 14. Follow along if you would, just simply two verses. Verse number 16 and 17, Jesus speaking here I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we love you and thank you for your kindness. We thank you for all that you've done for us. And now, Lord, we bring ourselves to this wonderful passage of Scripture where the Lord Jesus is praying to you and the gift comes of the Spirit of God into our lives. And so I pray today for each individual here, whether lost or saved, that you would do a converting and a transforming work in our lives. Help us to experience and know through the Word of God and the Spirit of God the work of Christ. And we will love you and thank you for all that you've done. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat today. We are just kind of picking up as I can in the new year. Uh, So next Sunday and the few following Sundays, uh, we'll be speaking a little bit about some of the things and the plans that we have for our church as a whole coming up in 2019. And so that'll come from various texts as we work through that. And so uh, interspersed in between there over the next couple of months, I want to try and finish up the New City Catechism. And so uh, if you are following along with me uh, this day, would be uh, question number 36 and 37. I decided to fuse them together. Who is the Holy Spirit and uh, how does he help us? And I think both of those are kind of covered in this text today. Who is the Holy Spirit and how can he help us? You know, coming off of uh, Christmas, I was reminded when I was a little boy, now, I know none of y'all are like this, but when I was a little boy, I, uh, I would look under the tree at Christmas time, look at all the gifts, and I always knew the kind of package that clothes came in. 
Y'all see, all right, we're all on the same page, right? You know the box that it comes in. And so when you're, when you're a little boy, if you were a little boy like me, you look at all the gifts that are in the boxes like that, and you know that's a scar, you know, that's, uh, the, that's a sweater from grandma, and uh, that's a shirt from my uncle, and that's it. You put all those over the side, and then you look for the boxes that have the toys in them, right? You start shaking them and rattle them. You wait for your parents to go to work, and you're seeing if you can kind of peek under the wrapping a little bit. Those are the ones that you really want to open up, you know? Remember a few years ago, Connie and my mom, they really got me good. There's a, there a book that I really wanted. I, I'm a kind of geeky. I enjoy books. And so um, Connie knows that I, I kind of like to look at the boxes and see if I can tell what's inside of them. And so what they did was they took my book and they put it in a clothes box <laughs> and wrapped it up. And I didn't even pay attention to it until Christmas Day when I opened it up. They got me good. You know, what I wonder sometimes is when we come to the doctrine of the Holy Spirit in a text like this, and if you're looking for the main idea out of these two verses today, it is simply here that God's answer to the Son's prayer is the gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Isn't that exactly what it says in verse number 16 and 17, right? The Son prays to the Father, and the Father's answer for the Son's prayer is the gift of the Holy Spirit. But I wonder sometimes, especially as Southern Baptists, if we don't get a little nervous about every other thing, and we take the Holy Spirit, and we act as if He comes in a clothes box, and we set that to the side, and we love to open up the package of forgiveness, and we love to open up the package of the power of the kingdom of God, and we love to open up all of the other packages that come along with Christianity and salvation, but we kind of set the Holy Spirit to the side and ignore the work of the Spirit of God when it comes to our salvation and when it comes to living for the Lord. And I think this text today really helps us to see that. And so by way of context, first of all, let me say this, uh, chapter number 13, verse number 31, through chapter number 16, verse number 33, that is an entire section. That is what's called the farewell discourse. Chapter 13, verse 31 through chapter 16, verse number 33. That is Jesus' farewell discourse. And it is a block of teaching which he instructs his disciples about the significance of uh, his upcoming death, about the significance of his resurrection and his exaltation. But tucked away in this passage, and I would say not even tucked away, but manifest through all of chapter number 14, 15, and 16 is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit from the very mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today, as I said before, let's just drive home and let's take apart a little bit and look at the main idea, and that is this, that the Father's answer to the Son's prayer is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So who is the Holy Spirit and how does he help us? From these couple of verses, let's simply say this. First of all today, the Holy Spirit is God. Would you say that with me as a congregation today? The Holy Spirit is God. Look back, if you would, at verse number 16. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. Now, your, your translation might have that. There's various amounts of ways of translating this. You might have comforter, helper, 
advocate, uh, go-between, uh, paraclete, alongside. You might have a ton of different names there. I think helper is, is more of a catch-all for all of it. And the reason why there's multiple translations there for that word of the Holy Spirit is that the word here describes the operation in which the Holy Spirit works in our lives. And it's really difficult to gather all of that in one simple word. He works as our advocate. He does work as our comforter. He comes alongside and works as our helper. He is our guide into the Word of God. The Spirit of God does multiple things within the lives of the believers. Notice what he says here, I will ask the Father and He will give you another comforter or another helper. Now where you see the word there where it says another, there are two Greek words for another. One of those is analos and the other one is heteros. From which we get, uh, uh, from which we would get a, a, a kind of a word, something like um, instead of orthodoxy, heterodoxy. You say, man, what in the world is all that? Instead of being the same, it's different. For instance, if you were to go over to Galatians chapter number one and verse number six and seven, the Apostle Paul says, if anybody preaches to you a heteros doctrine, a different gospel then it's not the same as the gospel that I have given to you. And so what's the point going on here? Jesus says, I'm going to pray to the Father, and the Father is going to give you another helper of the same kind as me. You see, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, is God, very God. He is not some sort of Star Wars force. He's not some sort of phantom out there. He's not some uh, sort of uh, uh, touchy-feely, warm, spiritual kind of thing. He actually is a person of the Godhead. And just as much as God the Father and God the Son have personhood, so God the Holy Spirit is a person. And he has within him all that it means to be a part of God. So, for instance, the Bible speaks of God the Father and God the Son being omniscient, that they know everything, that they have full knowledge of the past, of the present, and of the future. Well, you would find in John 16, verse 12 and 13, and in 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 10 and 11, that the Holy Spirit himself has all knowledge and all wisdom of things past, present, and future. Not only that, but the Bible teaches that the Father and the Son are omnipotent. They not only know everything, they are all-powerful. That they are the sovereign kings of the universe. And so you would find in Luke chapter 1 and verse number 35, and in Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10, you would find that the Spirit of God has that same Godship of power and might and sovereignty attributed to Him as the third person of the Godhead. Not only that, you would find that the Father and the Son are spoken of in the New Testament as being omnipresent, simply meaning that they are everywhere at the same time. The Spirit of God is said to be of the same way. Psalm 139, verse number 7 through 10 again. I think I want all of us to understand today, first and foremost, that who is the Holy Spirit? He is God. That there is no pecking order in heaven between the Trinity 
It is not some sort of tiered system where the Father is above everyone and then the Son is a little bit below that and then down here is the Holy Spirit. No, the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity possess everything that it means to be God. Now, you might be in here thinking, this is the last Sunday in 2018. I'm coming off Christmas. I ate too much and I'm tired. Why are you talking to me about the Trinity? Because what I want you to understand is this. If you in your Christian life aren't operating and interacting with all three persons of the Trinity on a regular basis, you're starving yourself of the power and the character of God. And so we will talk in a minute about how the Holy Spirit shines light on Christ and that part of His responsibility and position is to highlight the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I, I want to pause for a moment and I, I just want to ask you, are you in fellowship and in communion with the Holy Spirit of God? Man, as a family, I'll just tell you, this past week I read something and heard something, and man, I've been working through it as a, a preacher, and I was listening to it, and I thought, man, that is so right. And then I kept searching the scriptures, and this, this kind of uh, phrase, this kind of thought and concept has really turned my world upside down in the last week. He said, most believers ask, how do I know if I have the Spirit of God? Because we believe the gospel, that's our answer. As if it's some sort of byproduct. You know, the Spirit of God is a byproduct of believing the gospel. I don't know about it, but how do I know if I have the Spirit of God? Well, did you believe the gospel? Yes. Well, it doesn't matter whether you experience Him or not. You got it. It's a whole package deal. And the guy is speaking about the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians, but I think even Jesus would back this up. And he says, the Apostle Paul says this, how do you know that your salvation is genuine? And the Apostle Paul answers, because you are experiencing the work and transformation of the Spirit of God in your life every day. Did you catch the difference between that? We tend to ask, how do I know if I have the Holy Spirit? You believe the gospel. The Apostle Paul says, how do you know that your conversion is real? Because you're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit daily in your life to transform you through the Word of God to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to ask yourself, are you on some sort of regular basis experiencing not in some sort of crazy way, but tied directly to the Scripture are you experiencing in your life an incremental, slow progression of transformation into Christ-likeness in your life that can only be described and only be contributed to the work of the Spirit of God in your life? Is the Spirit of God transforming your attitude and your mind 
and your body and your soul and spirit? Is he transforming the way that you behave and the way that you interact and your relationship? Is he transforming you by his power into the image of Christ on a daily and weekly and monthly and maybe even on this last Sunday of the year as you look back over the last year, can you say there have been some moments in my life over this last year where I see that the Spirit of God is taking out the old heart and putting in a new heart and he is transforming me into the image of Jesus. How do I know that my conversion is real? Because I am in an interactive relationship with the Spirit of God regularly. Or is your interaction with the Spirit of God some study that you had one time where you just learned all about him but you never experienced him working in your life? Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, who is the Holy Spirit? He is God, very God. And just as much as Christ is a part of the Godhead and the Father is a part of the Godhead, so the Holy Spirit is as well. And if you're listening to me today and you're saying, ah, I'm not sure that I've even acknowledged him or spoken with him or talked to him. I'm not sure that he is operating in my life right now. My encouragement to you would be this. Not simply to just read a bunch about him, but to pray and to ask the Lord to manifest the Spirit of God in your life and to transform you into the image of Jesus. (laughs) One lady was at a uh, conference, three-day conference on the Holy Spirit. And uh, she went up to the preacher at the end. He had preached this whole series about how the Holy Spirit is God. And she went up to him after the service and she said, you know, I never thought of it as a person before until right now. Obviously, she did not get the sermons. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It's not a force. He's not a feeling. He is a person. And the same way that Christ Jesus is a person who we are interacting with and in a relational way He is changing us, so the Spirit of God is in our life as a person, as God, transforming us into the image of Jesus. Look back down at the text. Let me see if I can make a couple other points for us today. He says here in verse 16, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper that He may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth. I think that's the second point I want to make today. From verse 16, we see that the Spirit is God. I think uh, the second point we want to say is that He is the Spirit of truth. And that concept of truth is shot through the entire Gospel of John. Jesus is the bearer of truth, and the Spirit is the bearer of truth and right. And then notice what it says here. Whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him, because He abides with you and will be in you. Now let's take a few, uh, a few moments in that verse before I give you some, some application points. Notice that it says here in verse number 17 that the Spirit, that He is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. 
You see, the Spirit is the bridge from the reality that the lost world lives in, following after their own way, into the true reality of the kingdom of God where Christ saves our soul. All of you in here today who have trusted Jesus as your Savior, don't you remember the time in your life when you were lost, when you were undone, and somehow, someway, you either came to a service or somebody shared the gospel with you or maybe a Sunday school teacher spoke to you? You may have heard it a thousand times, but there was a moment in time where all made sense and something happened to you. That is that the Spirit of God worked regeneration into your life and brought salvation to you. And up until that point, you could not understand nor know nor receive the Spirit because you were living outside of the kingdom of God and the realm of His salvation. The entry point into salvation is the work of the Spirit in our hearts. Notice back in the verse, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Now, he's speaking here to the disciples, is he not? And certainly this text is for all of us today, but in the time that it's written, in the time that Jesus is actually speaking, he is speaking to a particular group of people, the disciples, and he says right there with them, because he abides with you. Now, how could that possibly be that if the Spirit of God isn't going to come to the church until the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts, how could he look at the disciples and say, the Spirit of God is with you. He is abiding with you. And I would simply say to you, because the Spirit of God, so the Scripture teaches, was fully alive in the Son of God, Jesus Christ on earth. And in so much that Jesus was walking day by day with the disciples, they were experiencing the manifest presence of the Spirit of God. Let me point out a couple of things to you here in this verse that you might want to uh, circle. Look back at verse number 17. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see Him or know Him. Uh, Back up to verse 16. Let me say this. You see the end of the verse where it says that He may be with. You want to circle that preposition. That He may be with you forever. Then drop down to verse number 17. You see where it says toward the end, He abides with you. You might want to circle that preposition. You can also translate that as the word by. And will be, notice the end of verse number 7, the next preposition, in you. With and by and in. The ministry of the Holy Spirit of God as the Spirit of truth is that He is with the people of God, that He is walking alongside and by the people of God, and that He dwells and lives in the people of God. You see, in verse number 16, the concept here is, although we like to think individually, and certainly the Spirit of God works individually in our life, He also works corporately as the church, the people of God, and He is with us. You see, the Spirit of God is poured out upon the church of God. Our very church right here, Emmanuel Baptist Church, I want you to understand that the Spirit of God is with us as a church. Every time that we come together, He is here. 
You ask, how come the New Testament says again and again and again to the church, be unified, be at peace, be in love, be in kindness, don't gossip about each other, don't hurt each other, build each other up, edify each other, come together. The reason why is because the Spirit of God is with us and when we don't behave in that way, we fracture our testimony and we dispel of what the Spirit of God is trying to accomplish in our midst. God is with us in this church in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we do in this next year together, every event that we have, every outreach, every mission endeavor, every time we try and disciple, everything that takes place from our Sunday school classes to our Bible studies to our worship services, every time we meet together, the Spirit of the living God is with us. And what we do, we have to be in contact with his power, in contact with his person, recognizing that we are in his presence. Let me ask you this question. When you came to church today, don't answer out loud, don't raise your hand, but on your way to church today and in Sunday school class and all the time that you've been here, have you ever one time thought and recognized that the third person of the Godhead, the Spirit of God, was sitting beside you or at least in the same room as you? Brothers and sisters, I'm not talking about something that's hard to understand. I'm not talking about an abstract concept, although you might think it is. I'm trying to help you to live New Testament Christianity. God is in this room right now. I said, Steve, why can't I see him? If God manifested his presence so that you could see him, none of us would be able to see him to go to work tomorrow. For the glory of God would shine so brightly that we'd have to put a bag over your head. Furthermore, blessed are those who believe without seeing than those who see. And see, God is not the kind of father uh, that stands over every single step that you make. No, he loves us and he tenderly walks with us and he sends the Spirit of God to be in our midst with us. The Spirit of God is in this room right now. So maybe, maybe what you could do is tomorrow, you may be able to practice by simply saying that statement to yourself at some point. That the Holy Spirit is with me right now. Alive and well, and powerful, and present. He's watching over everything that I do, and He's empowering all that I do for Him. Don't you understand that, oh, I don't have time today, the, the whole drive of salvation in Scripture is to draw those who would believe on the Son back into the presence of God. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? They were walking in the cool of the day with God. 
And when they sinned, they realized they were naked and they covered themselves and they hid themselves from God. And the judgment of their sin was that they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And the entire rest of the Bible tells the story of how people get back into the Garden of Eden and back into the presence of God. And the way that happens is Christ, so the book of Hebrews says, goes outside of the camp and He dies as the scapegoat of our sin in the middle of the desert. He takes all of our sin away and He ushers us back into the very presence of the living God. And this time, rather than being clothed in the Shekinah glory of God, or coming back naked having realized that we have sinned, we come back clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And all of that is made possible through the work of the Spirit of God. One of the harder things in your Christian life will be to learn daily how to remind yourself that you are in the presence of God. I can tell many of you are thinking with me. This is a, this is a good moment for us. You see, what, what we, in, in our tradition as a Baptist church, where we have to be careful is this, that we study so much analytically into the Scripture that we are able to say right doctrine. I have no doubt that for many of you in here, if the, if the lights weren't on and the microphones weren't on and we were sitting down together, I, I know that many of you could say to me, yes, I believe that the Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity, that He's not a force, that He is a person, that He's the Spirit of truth. I know you could say those things. What I'm asking you is, are those things tangibly present in an act of life with Him? Am I making that a sky? I'm trying my best to make that clear. What I'm asking is not if you know the truth stated in Scripture, but if the truth stated in Scripture is impacting and changing your life daily. I just want you to wrestle with that. And here's, what, here's, here's how you'll know that you're making some progress. When you find yourself... Catching yourself. Oh, you know, two or three hours ago, wow, I, yes, I'm, sometimes this is, how, this is how I work in my own life. Sometimes I do my devotions in the morning, I'm close to the Lord, I recognize, Lord, I'm in your presence. And then two or three hours ago by, and, and I just have to stop and say, yep, yeah, you're here. <laughs> you know, you're here. Yeah. I might even get all this, but you need to know this. See, that's the work. The salvation that God gives forgives us of our sins. It puts, he puts the Spirit of Christ inside of us so that He's with us, He's by us, He's in us. And part of the reason why God is with us is because we have been so trained and bent toward living a material-only life that we don't recognize that there is a spiritual reality that is more real than the concrete building in which we sit. God is alive. God is with us. God is here. And you can speak to Him, and He will help you and guide you and walk with you daily. Those three prepositions, let me move quickly. So, so He's with us as a congregation. He's with us in our life. 
Then notice there in verse number 17, he, he, some of your translations say abides with or abides by us. The word there means, the actual word means to come alongside. And so the Spirit of God is not only with us in a congregation and with us in our life. The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us. Aren't you glad of that? Every decision that you have to make, every interaction, you may go to work tomorrow and you, you know that you have to have a conversation with somebody that you're dreading. You may have something going on in your family life. You may have some, some sin that is besetting you and hurting you. The Spirit of God comes along and walks beside you. Church, I'm trying to be as concrete as I can with you. I'm not talking about it in an ethereal way. I'm saying, Mark, come help me out here. You're the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you if you, okay, that might have been a little, that's not good. You're a wise man. I want, if you don't leave, if you don't get anything else today, I want you to understand the, con, the reality that I'm telling you. And you just take a lifetime in your Christian life to remind yourself, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this is something that's real. This is not just my church life. It's not just something I affirm. It's not just a doctrine that my sins have been forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven. No, it's, it's really true, this kind of reality. Well, let's not do that. That's kind of weird. Let's just do this. Say, walking. Okay. Yeah. Oh no! Don't go that way. Don't don't say that. This, this is good. This is good. This is a good illustration. You see there? That's how the Holy Spirit works. I take off this way, and it may, may, he said, "Oh no, no, I don't. I don't think you ought to do that." <laughs> I, I start to say something when I get up on 440, and they won't let me on, and the Spirit of God is right there. No, no, no. You don't want to say that. You don't want to do that with your hand either right here in the center of the steering wheel. Oh, thanks. The Spirit of God is with you all the time. Moving in your life. And He comes alongside you. And He loves you. And He cares for you. And you say, I wish, that, I wish it was that simple that I could look over and see Mark. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's why Jesus said, it's good that I go, that the Spirit would come. Why? So that just a band of 12 brothers over in Judea don't get Jesus. Everybody in the whole world that believes on Him can have access instantly to Jesus and His Spirit. For the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. So wherever you are tomorrow, the Spirit will be alongside of you in that kind of reality and guess what? He'll do the same for me at the exact same time. He's, he's with us. He's alongside of us. See the last preposition. That He might be in you. I'm still wrestling with that. I'm just telling you. I, I'm still working on that. I don't know what exactly that looks like. For God to be in you. Where does he reside? Is he in my mind? Does he permeate my organs? I don't have all the answers today, but I do know what the text says. The text says that he'll be with us and alongside of us and in us. See, for a believer, God is in us. Isn't that what Jesus said? That they may know that they are in me and I am in you. 
We are wrapped up together in the Trinity of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They have invited us into that community. And not only have they invited us in, they've worked their way into our life. And I hope for a moment, you don't think for a moment that any of this is some sort of fascinating philosophical, theological language that belongs at a seminary. I'm telling you the most concrete, practical truth in all of the scripture is the Trinity. And we're woefully lacking and missing and starving ourselves of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well... I went down that rabbit trail for a long time. Let me give you a couple of things here. As the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit has three main responsibilities. First of all, He glorifies Christ. John 16, 13, and 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Fundamentally, the Spirit of God does many, many different things in our life. But the most fundamental responsibility of the Spirit of God is to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. I would give you two others. He teaches us about Christ and he draws people to Christ. The Bible says that He will guide us into all truth. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. The way that unbelievers become believers. Hey, listen, I was praying this morning. There are people here that have been visiting the coming. They're lost and they need Christ. What I want you to understand is that when we stand and proclaim the good news of Jesus, something powerful and real is happening in the lives of unbelievers. It happened to you. That's the reason why you're here today. That you were lost and undone and somebody told you the truth of Jesus and between this book and your heart, the Spirit of God turned inside of you so that you were going one direction and now you look and believe on Jesus and you can't necessarily explain it at all, but you have Christ in your life and you love Him because of what the Spirit has done in you. Don't you know that this next year, Christ and the Spirit and the Father are going to do that same work in one or more people that come to this place. He teaches us. <laughs> I like what J.I. Packer said. If you're looking for a good book on the Spirit of God, uh, J.I. Packer wrote a book uh, called Keeping in Step with the Holy Spirit. Keeping in Step with the Holy Spirit. I love what he says. He gives an illustration and he says, A well-placed floodlight does not call attention to itself, but instead casts light upon some other object. Now, the Spirit of God is certainly, you understand all illustrations break down at some point. The Spirit of God is not a floodlight. He is a person. However, when it comes to His responsibility and His passions, He is like a floodlight that is well placed. He doesn't draw attention to Himself, but He floods the light upon the cross of Jesus Christ. 
If you want to know if the Spirit of God is actively working in your life, then you see, am I growing closer to Jesus? Am I longing for Him? Am I living for Him? Am I looking more like Jesus in what I say and where I go and what I do? As much as my life is looking like Jesus is as much that the Spirit of God is working in you. Well, let me give you one last point. We'll finish for the day. The Spirit of God... He is God, and He is the Spirit of truth, and He is the transforming agent in the believer's life. First, by leading Christians to greater victory over themselves and over sin. Second, by interacting for them or interceding for them in prayer and by teaching them to pray. The Spirit of God is always praying for us, and He will teach you to pray. And third, by revealing God's will for their lives and by enabling them to walk in that will. I was reading this story this last week about uh, Jackie Robinson, the first uh, African-American baseball player in Major League Baseball. And I read where uh, he was in Brooklyn in one game, early on, and uh, he committed an error at, as a second baseman uh, at that time. And uh, the shortstop, get, get this dude's name, the, the, the shortstop comes over, uh, and um, he comes over, let's see, what was his name? Pee Wee Reese. That's a name and a half, isn't it? Pee Wee Reese. And uh, Jackie Robinson uh, commits the error, and the crowd begins to uh, jeer and call names and say the most wicked, awful things. And Pee Wee Reese comes over as a shortstop and puts his arm around Jackie Robinson and tells the, uh, the crowd to be quiet. And one day Jackie Robinson said, had it not been for Reese's arm around me, I would have quit baseball. The Spirit of God is both in us and with us and alongside us. He is God, He is the Spirit of truth, and He is the transforming agent in our life. A couple of practical things today to take away here. The Scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit is God. That's basic and fundamental to this message today. When you leave today, I want you to under, understand that the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father and the Son. Right? Number two, that truth ought to affect our decisions and our actions and our interactions. He's with us all the time. You always are living in the presence of God whether you know it or not. Number three, He is doing a daily and a lifelong work of transformation in your life. Are you yielding to Him? listening to Him, walking with Him. And lastly, He reminds us that we belong to a heavenly communion. Our lives are not only connected horizontally with each other, our lives are connected with God who is in heaven. And the Spirit of God is causing each of us over time to look more and more like Jesus so that when Christ comes again, 
we'll be able to rule and reign with Him for eternity. Would you bow your heads with me for a moment? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Why don't you just, last Sunday of the year, why don't you take a moment and just pray right where you are. And all I'll say to you is, I try to do the best I can to tell you that. And it's a constant battle, I know. We slip in and out of this consciousness of God. I'm just wanting to encourage you, brothers and sisters. Do take every effort to remind yourself that the Spirit of God, who is God, is sitting beside you in the pew right now. It's there. It's not there just in some, something you've got to drum up in your mind. I'm telling you, He's here. And you can live in His presence daily. By faith, talking to Him, living for Him. So, Steve, how do I get better at that? Learn to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, who is completely immersed in the Spirit of God. And you will be too. You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.